I would like to welcome our next guest to the podcast. His name is Paul Del Ponte, and he is the director of the National Crime Prevention Council. He is in charge of actually spearheading a campaign around fentanyl awareness and starting to really bring this epidemic into the forefront. So please give it a listen. I hope it can help and, and support in some way out there. Hello. I wanted to welcome today to the podcast, Paul, and you are the director of the National Crime Prevention. Executive Director of National Crime Prevention Council. Yes. Can you tell us what that is and what you guys do? Sure. Well, the National Crime Prevention Council is best known for our mascot, McGruff the Crime Dog, who has, for more than two generations, has helped keep Americans safe, basically. Um, he, uh, McGruff helps educate and empowers people so that everyone has the ability and we like to instill the knowledge so that everybody can help take a bite out of crime. Yeah. Everyone has the power within themselves and that too often we make the mistake of thinking, well, preventing crime is the police department's job. It's not my job. It's everybody's job. And that's what we do. And I know you guys recently, the organization recently held a summit around fentanyl awareness. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that, the purpose of that summit was? Absolutely. Uh, Fentanyl and the sale of fentanyl, how it's being sold, how people are, how drug dealers are part of international cartels and trying to addict people is just downright scary. Um, The National Crime Prevention Council listens very carefully and has a long track record of listening very carefully to parents and family members of children struggling through drug problems. And the stories that we heard on fentanyl were just beyond tragic. And we wanted to do something about it. And so the summit was an attempt to bring together the variety of government agencies who are working on this issue together with parents and family and community members who have been personally faced by this tragedy and to start the dialogue to help build solutions. I think one of the things we realized is that if anybody tells you they know how to fix the fentanyl problem, they are kidding themselves and lying to you. And that um, it, it is a tough one. It has multiple layers to it and it is not gonna be simple to fix, but we do think it's very solvable. Unlike the broader question of how do we tackle drug addiction, the question of how do we prevent fentanyl deaths, I think is is, uh, much more solvable if we pull together and focus on it as a problem that can be solved. I agree. I agree. I've, um, you know, as a mother of two boys, I, I always look for solutions. So my my goal is always to find a solution. I want to hear success stories. I want to know how to fix the actual problem and not just put a Band-Aid over something. So can you tell me the response from government and, and you know, the senators or congressmen who showed up? Sure. Well, we had um, three government agencies that are largely responsible for 
the efforts around um, protecting us from uh, fentanyl. We had um, folks from the Drug Enforcement Administration, who I think people are aware of as the Chief Enforcement um, yeah. uh, Administrator, and we had someone from Homeland Security. And Homeland Security, um, there is a big international component to the drug cartels, to the importing of fentanyl and the use and sale of fentanyl on social media sites. Yes. And then we also had uh, someone from the United States Patent and Trademark Office because their job is to protect the patents and trademarks on what are real pills and real medicine and fentanyl is being put in things that are fake pills that are being sold as the real thing, be it an ADHD medication, an antidepressant, or a pain reliever like Oxycontin. And they're being sold largely to children, yes. teenagers, yes. Um, on social media sites. They think they're buying a pill that is going to help them focus and help them get a better test scores on if they're buying an ADHD pill or a pain reliever because they're suffering from pain and and uh, want something stronger than Tylenol. And then the reality is the pill contains a lethal amount of fentanyl, which a lethal amount of fentanyl is only two milligrams. Right. So to put that in perspective, if you took um, a, a sweetener packet um, and if that were fentanyl, that would be enough fentanyl to kill 500 people. It is, it is the most, it is the most lethal um, opioid, synthetic opioid um, that is available now. And so what happens is the perspective of the drug dealer is fentanyl is cheap. It's cheaper than the other things. Yeah. It also will give the user of it a very addictive effect. Well, why is a drug dealer putting this in? If it can kill somebody, won't they lose a customer? Right. They don't care about life and death. They care, what they care about is addicting somebody and making somebody a lifelong customer. And if they feel that that um, pain reliever they're getting from that one particular drug dealer is better than all the other ones they tried because it's not necessarily better, it's more addictive because it has fentanyl in it, um, that they will have a repeat customer. And that's what they're going for. And if somebody dies along the way, you know, it doesn't matter to them. It's just that it's just about the dollars. But what's the number? I mean, we're at what is it, a hundred thousand deaths this year or last year? Was it last year? Yes, I mean, last year. And what what number are we at currently? Um, it seems to be about the same now. Um, Although the debt, the usage seems to be about the same. The death rate keeps going up. Um, I've heard one statistic, and it's 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 not it's impossible to verify. Every fifty fake pills with fentanyl that are sold, one is going to have a lethal dose. I mean, these are manufactured in basements and are in they China and other places, yeah, so they are not controlled. So I'm sorry? From, that that was my question. Uh, they're coming from. Um, not the U.S. They're not coming from inside the U.S. so much as they are coming from China. And are they crossing the border? They, they, the fentanyl is coming in from China, usually to Mexico. 
there are two primary cartels in Mexico that are funneling fentanyl into the U.S. Um, and it comes in the U.S. in many, many different ways. Um, the most common is shipments. It's on, it's, you know, there, there are fake pills um, snuck inside a container ship. And if, you know, anybody is familiar with the size of a container ship, it's massive. And if you're talking about something which a lethal dose is only two milligrams, it's very easy to smuggle that. The other very scary thing about it is they're also being shipped. Somebody, you know, hears about it, makes a deal on um, Snapchat or somewhere. Yeah. They Venmo the money and the package arrives FedEx in a day or two. Um, so part of it is, yes, it is a border control issue, but for folks who think, okay, if we just shut down the border with Mexico, we're going to stop it. That's naive. Um, like I, I've said, um, fentanyl is a 20th century invention that is being distributed and illegally sold through the most sophisticated 21st century supply chains imaginable. What, and, and I have two questions, actually. Um, one is, is this happening in other countries? Okay. Um, it, unfortunately, is largely an American problem, which also leads to what I said early on, is I think this is a problem we can solve. So, you know, there's been a lot of talk, and maybe it's conspiracy, maybe it's just hearsay, but there was this idea that was kind of put in front of me about how we kind of created an opioid crisis in China back when we started growing the poppy seed uh, there. Um, and they started to have major issues back in, I don't know if it's the 1940s or 1950s, I don't even know the exact date that we were doing that. And then is the, then somebody was saying, this is kind of the way they invented to get back and take over and, and harm our youth. So fentanyl is a synthetic, it's manufactured, mm -hmm. but in terms of what the intent is, in this case, it's very clear, it's money. Drug dealers, international cartels are capitalists who break the law. They wanna make as much money as possible. They know that fentanyl is both cheap and highly addictive. So if they put fentanyl in their pills and sell them to primarily young people, they're going to addict a generation of customers. It is purposeful, it is abhorrent, and when these people are caught, uh, they deserve to be in jail for a very, very long time. Right, but is there anything, I mean, how many, how many people from the drug cartel end up being caught, you know? That's, that's, that's part of the problem, that's why we wanna focus attention on it. Um, the, the, the short answer is not enough, they, they've done, um, ICE um, and Homeland Security have done a fairly effective job at having ongoing seizures of the product at, at, at ports and, and in other places, but they're having a hard time really getting at the cartels, the, the drug dealers, the kingpins, and getting to them. We hope that will change. But part of the problem is, too, and this is part of the effort we're working on specifically with the United States Patent and Trademark Office, is the sale of fake products in the U.S. has long been viewed by uh, many Americans as a victimless crime. 
There's no harm in buying that knockoff handbag or those fake Nikes. They're cheaper. And I still get what looks like the real thing. Right. What that has created is a culture that accepts that. And to the point at which now we're selling lethal pills to kids on Snapchat and other social media sites is the point where we have to say enough. That was that and that thank you for saying that because that was my question. What is the main site that this is being sold on? There there is there aren't reliable data and statistics on this because the social media companies right now won't share that information, which is one thing we're trying to have happen. Um, I do know, and like I said, it's been the National Crime Prevention Council and McGruff's mission for years to talk to family members and parents. I have not heard from one parent who has come forward and said they lost a child through this tragedy whose child has bought it anywhere other than Snapchat. The, the, the concept of encrypted technology, disappearing text messages, uh, those kinds of things in the US are considered free speech. Other countries have done a better job of defining free speech versus illegal activity. And I think that's an area where the U.S. can absolutely improve and change our laws. It will require some changes in laws. It will also require a certain amount of social responsibility on the part of the companies. Um, I think that and there, there is no reason yes. that they should not realize what's going on and take steps on their own. Um, you know, right now, what we're hearing from them is they, they've done some things, but they clearly haven't done enough. Uh, it's still happening. Right. Uh, we have to set a standard where this is just simply not acceptable in the United States. Right. No, it's not. And and it's um, to the point where this is becoming the, the number one killer in the U.S. And, you know, I, I you don't hear as much about it on media. And that that's kind of been uh, part of it come to my attention over over just being in the experience of it. It's just very interesting how it's not being uh, talked about more. It needs to be talked about more. It needs to be talked um, about more um, on the national level. It needs to be talked about more around the kitchen table when parents have conversations with kids. Um, toward that end, we're focusing a lot of our efforts on raising awareness and making sure that people who've already lost their lives that that's not the end of it and that those lives will matter and that we'll be able to bring about change. At the summit, we, we announced and launched the Lives Project, which is the creation of a digital quilt where people who've been victims of fentanyl can be remembered so that their lives will have meaning beyond the years that they spent on this earth. And uh, we, we encourage everyone to visit livesproject.org if you know of a family member or want to memorialize somebody, there is the opportunity to do that. Um, in, in just a couple of weeks since we, we announced it, as, as I said, when we announced it, we knew it would continue to grow. Sadly, it has continued to grow. But we want to use that sadness and that tragedy and turn that into action. Is there um, any support? Is there any um, type of support group that, that you're aware of or... A rehab facility that you've seen success at or know of? 
you know, you, you, it's an excellent question because it is different. Um, it's different because most of the time it's not a fentanyl addiction that is the start of the problem. The start of the problem is there might be some experimentation with drugs on the part of a young person or um, it's an opioid addiction or something else. And then some, somehow fentanyl is, is what was being illegally sold to them. They don't realize it was fentanyl. So you can't cure an addiction if you don't know what the addiction is, number one. Number two, the very sad, tragic part of it, and we work very closely with one parent who's actually formed an organization. And what happened with her son was he was just at the early stages of experimenting with drugs. They had gotten him into a rehab facility. She pleaded with him the night before he was going into rehab not to take anything. The next morning when she went to wake him up, he didn't wake up. And she, the later they discovered he had taken a pill he bought on Snapchat. Um, and it contained a lethal dose of fentanyl. So rehab didn't even have a chance. Right. I know. Well, the, it's um, that idea, that addict idea where you get, oh, I, this is my last time. I'm, this is my last time. This is my last time. You know, you see that. You see that. And then um, I think the, the issue is even getting into the, getting into the rehabs and experiencing what they, what they do there. Their, their typical treatments don't work for this specific thing because it's it's a different sort of I don't know if it's a different sort of mechanism in the brain or or what it is but a lot of times they're throwing other pills at it as well so Klonopin, Xanax, something to sleep and those actually have in my opinion made it worse so it was a it was a it was like oh you're coming off of that let's let's throw everything else at you and see what happens and then you start to then you you know you see the the person kind of lose it and so they go right back into using so the, and, and that really comes down to i really want to start to share and and find hope for people who are addicts and who have been using and for families who have this experience because it's almost like the end game can't can't just be oh your chances are now you are going to possibly overdose and die um, right i mean so that seems so hopeless and i feel like the youth at this point has um everybody i've been talking to and the youth they they're really looking for things to be hopeful for for a future for a um for a beautiful life for fun and and joy and not to not to have so much pressure and, and, and stuff held over them. That's kind of, that's what my mission is at this point. Um, Good. And we're, we're very delighted that you are taking that on. Our hope is that more people will follow that example and lead and, and take it on. We're, we're, you can't solve a problem if there's not awareness that there is a problem. Right. That's, you know, at a very basic level, you, that's where you have to begin and to let people know that there are solutions, that they are not alone. I think one of the things that we discovered in, in our months of working on this issue is that 
there are lots and lots of family members who've been affected directly by this issue. Yeah. They felt that no one has been listening and that there was no place to turn. So one of the things that we wanted to do by creating the summit, by creating the Lies Project, is to give them a place to turn. Um, that is important in and of itself to let people know that they are not alone. And if you look back at other things that we have done a better job at tackling, mm -hmm. they've not always been easy. Getting started is often the hard part. Yeah. And now we're talking about a problem that is, for the most part, an American problem that is affecting a large number of people. And sadly, in the course of this half hour, 45 minute conversation, you know, there will be somewhere between six and 10 young people who will die from fentanyl. And we seem to be accepting that right now. It's almost like, oh, drug addiction, drug problems have always been with us. And that might be true, but fentanyl is a new problem that has not always been with us. And there are particular reasons why the rate of death has accelerated. Right. And that's what we can stop. Yeah. And that was the, that was another question that I, you know, even before we wrap this up, when did fentanyl actually hit the scene? Because it, it really didn't seem to hit the scene in my awareness until about 2020. Right. Well, fentanyl was invented in the early 1960s as a legitimate pharmaceutical. It is still used as a legitimate pharmaceutical, largely intravenously in hospitals. Uh, for people who are chronic pain sufferers, for people who are at the end of life, in terms of giving them their last few days some dignity to them, um, fentanyl is right. Oxycontin was the same idea. Oxycontin was the same idea, only they knew it was known how potent fentanyl was right at its invention, and. For years, it had been just synthetically, it had been controlled. A very limited number of pharmaceutical companies um, would sell it under carefully controlled situations directly to hospitals. And it still has a useful purpose in that setting. And you know, we don't want to take anything away from family members and patients who need legitimate fentanyl so administered in a hospital. But it's the illicit use. And you're right, it's been about... Um, it started popping up right around 2020, 2021. It's accelerated tremendously in the last two years. I came on board in this position about a year ago, and it was just starting to get more and more in the headlines when I took over as executive director, and I started looking into it very early on because it just, there were so many parts of it that were just so abhorrent to hear and then to start taking phone calls from parents who lost a child. We're talking children, 12 years old, 14, 16, people who have their whole lives in front of them ruined right. um, in an instant. So what you're alluding to is that even changing the pharmaceuticals use of fentanyl in even hospital settings, so say making it an illegal drug or making it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't change this. No, because there, there, there are two things going on there. There is legal fentanyl and we're fine with that. You know, it's, it's, it, it's, 
it's administered in the most controlled of an environment imaginable. Um, and it is not, the legal use of fentanyl in hospitals and through doctors, through legitimate prescriptions is not a, is not a problem. Okay. It's the illicit sale of fentanyl put into things sold as something else to unsuspected people, especially unsuspecting youth, that is causing the problem. Got it. So in closing, um, what, how do you see just even this issue moving into 2023? Are there any uh, kind of glimmers of hope or any positive thing you can share about how 2023 could look? Sure. I think um, going into 2023 is that there is increased awareness. There are an increased number of people who are being involved. Um, so we, we launched the Lies Project, um, and that will continue to grow. That will continue to humanize it and put it in people's faces. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to ignore. Um, we have uh, our midterm elections tomorrow. Um, there have been a lot of sound bites during yeah, the campaign there, season. That was kind of my question. Yeah, are there any, is there anyone who's speaking out about this or taking this initiative on? Um, Sadly, not in, a, in, not in a way that we would like yet. And that's something that we're going to focus on and work on. Um, you know, it's been very easy for, for politicians to grandstand and make soundbite on it. But sound bites very seldom make real make real solutions. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what we're going to do. I think what we started with the summit of bringing different government agencies together was just the tip of the iceberg. Um, and what we've um, realized is we had three agencies together. We need to double that. We need right. to have at least six agencies together. We right. need this is this has to be an all hands on deck movement. And I think one thing we accomplished with the summit was a realization that, that that needs to happen and that that is happening and starting to happen now. Um, even the three agencies we had together realized they didn't communicate enough amongst themselves. Um, so I do know that um, the uh, Drug Enforcement Administration is scheduling a staff level briefing for everybody the United States Patent and Trademark Office, so they can share notes and come up with ideas. Yeah. Um, like I said, I, do, I think anybody who says they have a magic wand and know how to fix this today is kidding themselves. Um, but it, the solution is out there. We have to put our minds together. And most importantly, we have to create the national will that says, no, we're not going to tolerate this and it needs to be fixed. Yeah. I, I completely agree, and I, I think we have to give more hope and inspiration to our youth that they don't go down this go down that path. Thank you so much for talking to me, and um, I we I would love to know about your next summit. Terrific! Would would love to keep you involved. Thank you for airing this and helping increase attention for your listeners. Please visit liesproject.org. Um, there are ways to sign up and get involved there and get more information. Uh, and it, the only way we're going to solve this is solving it together. So thank I, you. I agree. Thank you so much, Paul.